guardian angels and patron saints. Pray for us. Well, our church year begins anew in this season of Advent, which we dedicate ourselves over the next four weeks, really. It's a total of five weeks since Christmas falls on a Sunday this year for the arrival of our Lord, the welcoming of this unlooked-for surprise in the history of the world, the coming of God as a Messiah in the form of a little child. As a way of taking stock of what Advent means, and really about what our faith means, there's a project at the initiative of the Archbishop in all the parishes of our diocese involving the presentation of the gospel in four parts, the four basic steps of what it means to believe in the gospel. I believe this initiative is well-timed. In my experience, many of us find ourselves sort of as Catholics starting to watch a movie in the middle of the whole story. We've missed enough of the parts at the beginning that the events that are taking place and the parts that we're actually seeing don't make sense to us. If we don't have the whole story, it's hard to really understand each individual part. In my experience, many of us, uh, those who've been Catholic for many years, those who have had no religious upbringing whatsoever, often find themselves in a similar position of not really grasping why, why it is that these things are the way that they are, why we do the things that we do, why we believe what we believe. And if we haven't got the whole plot, because the world is a kind of story, if we haven't gotten the whole plot, we tend to get lost, we tend to get lost. So at the Archbishop's request, I'd like to undertake this just four-part homily series to try to lay these four steps of believing in the gospel out. This is, in fact, our responsibility. The church was given the commission by Jesus himself, preach the gospel, tell the story. How can they believe if they have have not heard the, the message? And how will they hear it if no one preaches it to them, says St. Paul. And if we haven't heard this, we haven't made an act of faith, a response to it, to say, yes, I accept that, well then, we shouldn't be surprised if sometimes we don't feel the power of the gospel. The gospel is powerful. It's the power of salvation, says St. Paul. The power for integrity, wholeness, healing, freedom. Because Jesus is all of these things. And the gospel is what gives us access to Jesus. Salvation is the work of God in fixing our broken lives. If there's so much suffering in the world and in ourselves, maybe it's because we've not yet become overwhelmed. We've not been overwhelmed by the power of that message, the grace of the gospel. Once we do receive it, our, our perspective changes. We see the world through different eyes. We process our experiences through that lens an encounter with the gospel or an encounter with Jesus through the gospel orients me in a new direction. And without the, without the gospel, 
we don't have that perspective, that God's eye perspective in our lives and in our experiences and my feelings and my decisions. I, I go through my days with other perspectives that orient me, other priorities, other ways of understanding where I'm from, where I'm at, and where I'm going. These things ultimately don't bring us the consolation our souls really need. They don't bring us that healing. They don't orient us towards God. And we fall into desperation or depression and the satisfaction of our desires in creatures, limited creatures, rather than in the unlimited creator. So, of the four steps of the gospel, I'd like to begin with the first one today. The truth that we are creatures. Answering the question, where are we from? Where are we headed? Where are we at? But I'm, I'm also conscious of the weakness of my words in trying to lay out the powerful message of the gospel. And so I just would like to take a moment here to ask Our Lady's intercession for me and for, for us all to pray to open our hearts to surrender whatever parts of our, our lives are not yet under the gospel's dominion and to ask her who is the spouse of the Holy Spirit and the evangelist of the Americas to give the power of God to my weak words. So we turn to you for protection, O Holy Mother of God. Listen to our prayers. Help us in our needs. Save us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. The Gospel of Jesus reveals to us that we are the creatures of a good Father. And so the first step of the gospel and accepting the gospel is coming to believe that we are created, that God created everything and created each of us. We have to understand what this means in the proper sense. We learn about this, of course, in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the first chapters of the book of Genesis. It's very easy to insert an interpretation of that gospel, of that uh, biblical text with different kinds of questions than they were intended to answer. The purpose of the Bible not, is not to teach us so much the, the literal history in a moment-by-moment -moment account of the origins of the world, but it's meant to be a response to the question, who are we? Now, that's not a scientific question. So trying to draw scientific truths out of the Bible is a mistake. Right? It's, a, it's a misinterpretation of the Bible. The scriptures express the truth of our origin in a poetic and even in a mythical form, a narrative. It's not possible to capture these truths in scientific and rationalistic language. They don't come out of the laboratory. We can't reproduce them in an experiment. They come out of the mysterious heart of the Holy Trinity. And the story of Genesis signals for us, informs that we're adequate to the, to the needs of the people who were hearing those things for the first time, namely the ancient Israelites, 
who we are. And these are the truths that it's, that it's meant to convey. There's one God. That this God is totally good. There's no evil in him, no darkness at all. Everything that exists is his work. Everything that exists. And everything that exists is therefore good because it is the work of a good God. God created the human race as his specially excellent creation, not as servants or slaves, but to live with him as companions, to share his life. And this means we are created in the image and likeness of God with stewardship and dominion over those good creatures. And the human race is created in the image and likeness of God, and so through their freedom, their use of their reason and intelligence, their free will, and ultimately through their own communion as male and female, reflect the beauty and the goodness of their creator. And that ultimately we are created for life, not for death. Death is not a part of God's original intention for creation. This is the vision of the book of Genesis. This is what it means to be created. This is the worldview that we see everything in light of. This is crucial. It may seem obvious to us, but that's because we've been We've been brought up in this perspective. We live in a civilization that, at least at its roots, accepted these things as fundamental. That was not always the case. In the world in which Genesis was first proclaimed, that is not what they believed. They believed that there were many gods, all competing with one another, that they were not all good, that they were greedy, that they betrayed one another, they were subject to the same kinds of temptations and sins that we are, although they were more powerful, they were manipulative, they were needy. These other religions of the ancient world also taught that the gods weren't really the most important, powerful realities, that there were other impersonal forces without names that ruled over both gods and humanity. They believed that good and evil were equal. That light and darkness were equal. And they were all involved in a perpetual war between themselves, back and forth and back and forth, without end. Sometimes one side was winning, sometimes another was winning. This is another way of kind of illustrating how we need to understand the scriptures in the proper sense. We see this worldview in other parts of the Bible. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we hear this same thought. The sun rises and the sun sets. The wind blows, takes its course and returns to the place from which it came. The waters fall from the heavens, are collected in the rivers, and fall into the ocean. Human beings are born, they live, they give birth, 
and they die. And so it goes. That's in the Bible, but it's not the biblical worldview. It's naming the false attitude about creation that has no hope, that is bound up with futility and a fascination with its own perpetual cycles. And so too in the ancient world, the belief that that women possessed an equal dignity to the man was nowhere to be found. In fact, woman was not a companion to the man, but his servant without her own dignity apart from the service that she gave to the man who ruled over her. All of this, our belief about our creaturely identity rejects. That's not what we are. What Genesis tells us in some is that we are made to be loved and to love. That is the purpose of our existence. That is why we are here. That's where we're from. We have come from love. Love has brought us into existence. We are walking the path of love. And we are destined to a life of perfect love. This is the will of God for his creatures. And he knows each one of us. He's made every single one of us. He calls us by name. The same God who made the sun, the billions of stars and galaxies, who created the air and the water and the stones, created you, and he knows your name. And you are good. He went to some trouble, and you appear to be worth the trouble. We're not here by accident. You are the work of God. You are the result of a thought of God, unique and unrepeatable in the history of the universe. And he put you here in this time and in this place in order to be loved and to love. And your destiny, your mission is to bring God to the world and to live with him forever. To be divinized with a perfect and complete happiness that can never be lost. We arrive through the path of love revealed to us in the life and in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the message, the first step of what it means to glimpse God's plan, God's story, the plot of all the universe is to recognize first and foremost that we are his creatures. In the coming weeks, we'll address each of the subsequent steps, our capture, our rescue, and our response. But today, we pray for the grace of wonder at the mystery of creation, of who we are, of how God has set the world on its foundations and revealed himself as a good and perfect father, a benevolent creator who wants nothing but the salvation and joy of his creatures. And in this way, in this holy season of Advent, a time of waiting and preparation for the joy of Christmas, we might respond in obedience to that call that we hear in the gospel. Do not be unbelieving. 
but believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.